I am Patrick Cooley, pastor of Northport First United Methodist Church, and I want to thank you for listening to this week's podcast. I hope you are having a great and blessed day. George Washington writes, Our cruel and unrelenting enemy leaves us no choice but a brave resistance or the most abject submission. This is all that we can expect. We have, therefore, to resolve to conquer or to die. Our own country's honor all call upon us for a vigorous and manly exertion, and if we now shamefully fail, we shall become infamous to the whole world. Let us, therefore, rely upon the goodness of the cause and the aid of the Supreme Being, in whose hands victory is, to animate and encourage us to great and noble action. The Cause Back in the 18th century for George Washington, it was freedom from Great Britain, and according to him, it was worth dying for because it brought meaning and direction and was worthy motivation for others to join in it. The cause was struggle. In fact, our nation has been built upon the cause, or maybe I should more correctly say causes. I guess every nation is likely to be in the same boat, every state or organization, every group of people, and indeed each and every one of us owe our current state and place and condition to the cause, whatever that may be. So I think it behooves us to learn a little bit more about the cause. Most simply put, the cause is whatever goal desire, idea, or ideal that you want to hang your hat upon. It is that thing that defines you and makes you and yours different from them and theirs. I remember there was a Bugs Bunny cartoon when I was growing up, and Bugs and Yosemite Sam were reenacting the American Revolution. And I will let you guess uh, which character was on which side of that conflict. At one point, uh, Bugs is in his fort right across from Yosemite in his, and flying over Bugs Bunny's fort is a flag that says, we. And over Yosemite's, there is a flag that says, they. Now, I have no doubt that Yosemite's calls to Yosemite was just as meaningful to him as Bugs's was to him. Regardless, The cause, whichever one you happen to be a part of, has shaped and influenced your life and also the world. Just some causes that pop to mind, the cause of temperance or suffrage, equality or life or choice or gun rights or civil rights or self-determination, etc., 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 just about everything that we desire can and usually does become the cause. And it typically results in flags that read either we or they. And just like Washington, everyone decides their cause is the good one. So what does that lead to when they view other people's causes, the they's causes? If ours is the good cause, theirs must be the bad one. In this week's reading from Ezekiel, 
God signs the prophet up for the cause and tells the Son of Man that its message, the cause's message, will be uncomfortable to speak because it will create disquiet in those to whom it is directed. It will cause Ezekiel pain, thorns and scorpions and sacrifice. And I imagine, like the rest of us, he will possibly come to question his commitment to the cause, particularly in the face of others, all of those theys who are choosing not to listen to his words. Nevertheless, God promises to see him through all of the unpleasantness that he will experience as the result of the unpleasantness that he will cause in others' lives. After all, the scroll that God gives Ezekiel to eat says, Lamentation, wailing, woe. And you know just as well as I that most people have a tendency to push back when others start to damage their calm. Nowadays, they like to call this practice of speaking uncomfortable things, speaking truth to power. And I guess that makes them have joy-joy feelings about themselves. Ezekiel agrees to eat the scroll and take up the cause, to speak the hard words and to tell them like it is, and to suffer the pricks and stings of their discomfort. It says a lot about the prophet and about God, who could have easily made the Son of Man eat the scroll, whether Ezekiel wanted to or not. I think that I can safely assume that every member of the cause thinks of himself as an Ezekiel, whatever their cause may be. But here's the thing. The prophet's cause is not his, but rather it's God's. Ezekiel isn't speaking to they. He is speaking and damaging the calm of we. He is speaking to his own. He's not speaking to another. What's going on here is the opposite of our norm today, and I think should give us pause as our causes collide more and more today. The cause here in Ezekiel 2 is not directed toward an enemy, but rather toward ourselves. The cause of Washington was against the British. Ezekiel's is against his own people. What was it that Jesus said about his mission and about peace? He said, I came not to bring peace, but a sword, which will cleave father and son and mother and daughter, you know, the rest of it. But because of God's promise to the Son of Man, we know that even though this truth is painful, if we see it through, it will be truly the good cause. The cause, the scroll that Ezekiel is told to make a part of himself, isn't one person's or one group's or one nation's desire pitted against another's, but it is God's desire pitted against all of ours. Any lesser desire will ultimately lead to greater strife and heartache, as our history proves, but God's desires, God's cause as it is advanced, leads to love and glory and grace and healing. This is the heart of the call of the Christian disciple. 
the call of an idea and an ideal that is greater than ourselves. It, it, is, a, it is a cause that we must seek to conform ourselves to as we, and in some cases before we, attempt to conform others to it. Many of us likely heard the battle hymn of the Republic this past Sunday. It is a song about the cause or the struggle. It's a song about conforming ourselves and not just others to the desire and the character of God. It is a call to our righteousness in the face of sin. And it can only be effectual if we are willing to fight against our own unrighteousness as well as theirs. It is a call to end slavery and to recognize the righteous act of God in ending our slavery to sin and death. It is a call to seek life and love and hope for all people. It is a battle fought so long ago that has yet to procure a victory. And why is this so? Perhaps it's because we speak lamentation, wailing, and woe to others and never to ourselves. Perhaps instead of taking God's cause as our own by choosing to eat the scroll, we continue to try to make God take up our cause. So perhaps this is why the kingdom of God still seems so far away. Even though we pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven at least once per week. In 2 Corinthians 12, 2 through 10, Paul tells the church that he knows someone that got to glimpse the kingdom, a place where all of God's desires have come to fruition. It is a place that the cause of Christ actually seeks to make real for everyone, both the we's and the they's, in both the body and the spirit. This someone of whom Paul speaks is clearly the apostle himself, a person who has accepted the part he has been called to play in God's good cause to make righteousness manifest on the earth among all people. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so that Paul might not fall into the ever-human tendency to start believing that the prayer actually says, My will be done in heaven as on earth, God allows Satan to use one of those thorns that Ezekiel was warned about. This culminates in the apostle declaring, So I will boast more gladly in my weakness, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. The cause is not about strength, but about dependency upon God, about weakness and relying upon God's strength and power and purpose. The cause must be embraced not only by them, but also by us. Jesus likewise encountered the pricks and the stings and the hatred of his own, just as Ezekiel did. The cause of righteousness was heard by his own as lamentation, wailing, and woe, and they tortured and killed him for it. This cause of freedom from sin 
didn't quite measure up to their desire to be free from Rome, and they would not listen to and they betrayed and abandoned him, even in spite of all of the wonders and the signs and the miracles that they had witnessed. As his own began to hear his words on that Sabbath there in Nazareth, their awe quickly became offensive to them. In typical Markan fashion, we don't get to know the content of his preaching, but I think that we can take a reasonable stab at why they became so angry at him based on Ezekiel's message to God's people. Jesus' cause was not the Nazarenes. As more and more causes arise without and within the church and in our denomination, it becomes evidently clear that what we are seeing is a little bit of history repeating. It's just like the Bugs Bunny cartoon. We and they flags are being raised over Christ's church, where nothing should be except the cross. The reminder to us that Jesus took up his Father's cause and sacrificed himself for us. If we can remember that, then maybe, just maybe, Christ's church might cease becoming a house divided and return to the way and the truth and the life that makes all of us, we and they, whole. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, you give us the life of your Son to unify us, to make us one. Help us respond to the divisions between us not through our personal desires manifested in the cause that we want, in the thought that we are right and they are wrong, we are good and they are bad. But help us instead, like Ezekiel, like Christ, and like the Apostle Paul, take hold of your cause, the cause of righteousness, a righteousness that is to go out and be practiced by all, both we and they, them and us, so that we might all become one in Christ and experience love and wholeness, life and grace. This we ask in the name of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.